Good to have you with us this morning. Thank you, David. Time after time, the Savior has called. Uh, I hope that is uh, you have settled that in your heart and your mind this morning. I want to talk with you this morning to go to First Corinthians or Second Corinthians chapter one. Second Corinthians chapter one. Um, sort of a little bit of a, a difficult uh, message this morning, I guess. Uh, uh, one of them you really don't like doing, maybe, but you do anyway because it's in God's word. And, but it's not as bad as last week. I'm glad some of you women came back this week after last week. <laughs> I was told how brave and bold I was for tackling the subject of last week, but God got us through it, and, and uh, I think it w went well. I uh, hope everyone understood and, uh, and, and enjoyed it after all. I was sort of worried. But this week, is, uh, I want to talk to you about finding comfort. Uh, we, we've had several in our church family to pass away and, and other things going on and difficulties come in life. And where, where do you find comfort? Uh, I, I hope you, you do. I couldn't imagine going through this life not knowing where to find comfort, not knowing uh, I've got several friends that, that aren't saved. And and uh, to be honest with you, I, one of them just says, you know, we do the best we can. This is life and this is it. And, uh, you know, I have talked to him for years, just tried to share with him the gospel and the hope of eternal security and the hope of eternity. And I just could not imagine to think that I'm going to live 60, 70, 80, 90. I probably won't see 90, but, you know, the, see that many years, and then that's just it. That's all there is to life. Uh, this is just for a brief moment, Paul tells us, that, that we're here and our life is but a vapor and passes away. What we're doing now is going to be a reflection of things we do for eternity. But right now, what do we do in, in, in finding comfort? I mean, we know we have heavens, our home, and all that, but what do we do right now as we go through struggles? And many of us do. We, we have difficult times. I don't know if it's a loss of a loved one or a loss of a job or loss of a home or just something that goes on in your life and just can bring uh, sadness or discouragement. Anybody ever been there? Okay, we got about four or five of us that are going to get this message this morning. The rest of you are lying, so we'll preach on lying next week. But anyway, so first, Second Corinthians chapter 1, I want to just talk, uh, Apostle Paul is writing his second letter to the Corinthian, uh, the people in Corinth, and he starts out in just uh, a, an opening, and in the opening, it's always interesting to me, when you read the Apostle Paul's stuff, just in his opening, there are so much um, good information, so much meat there a lot of times in what he puts in his opening. You think, well, it's just an opening statement, but he makes such uh, bold statements, doctrinal statements, and, and uh, things of foundations that we can live by just in his opening. So let's start reading in verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, under the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in Achaia. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, 
who comforted us in all our tribulations, that we may be able uh, to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consultation also abound by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consultation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same suffering which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consultation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the suffering, so shall ye also of the consultation. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, in whom we trust that we will yet deliver us. It also helping together to pray for us that the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons Thanks may be given by many on our behalf. For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you, word. Father, as we study your word, I ask, Father, that you give me the words to say that I would proclaim your word as you would have me to do, that, that uh, we would understand and that we would, that we would hear that word and, and its truth and be doers of that word. We just thank you for the encouragement. Lord, we thank you for the comfort that we find in you, we find in your word. We want to praise you for that this morning. Lord, just be with us in these next few minutes as we study your word to find the truths that you have for us today. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. Suffering can lead to depression. Paul's talking about here that we were pressed, our, we even despaired of life. Anybody ever been that far? You just, wow, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how I'm going to make it out of this. And, you know, and this wasn't just some small thing, and it may be sort of a shock to some of you, that the Apostle Paul would actually say such a thing. But uh, he went through several things. He went through several uh, being whipped, being put in prison, being shipwrecked, being snake bit, all these things that are happening to him. And these, these, the, and all along, his friends, you remember when he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, when he was on the, the Judaizer's side or the Jews' side when they were uh, wanted the law and all the rest, it was okay. But when on his conversion to Damascus, when he got saved and he began to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, and that he was the fulfillment of the law, he became an enemy to all, the, all of those. So from that point on, they sought to kill him. They sought to do away with him. They didn't want him preaching the good news of the gospel. They didn't want to lose their power, as we are seeing in the book of Acts, that Anytime God is doing something, Satan sticks up his head 
and wants to destroy it. So Paul had this going on along, and, and in this opening statement, he is telling the Corinthian church uh, the, of this comfort that he has and, and how that it's encouraging to him and, and encouraging to them. And you're thinking that you were almost put to death, that you're almost put in prison, uh, that all these bad things are happening. And Paul is saying, these are good things. Well, how can they be good things? Um, you know, when you're going through a difficult time, it's, it's easy. I know. Uh, I used to think, and I'll, I have a confession to make. I used to think probably 15 years ago or so that depression, I used to say it, people just want attention. They just want attention. Woe is me. And that's how I used to feel. Guess what? God let me go through depression. I know you're, you're shocked at that. Pastor Kenny could be depressed. Oh, I, I've had a terrible time of it. And, and uh, things that I went through my mind, and I'll just share with you now, just so you know, I got pretty low. I remember driving down the road by myself and really just wanted life to end. But I didn't want to do it where it would hurt my family. My wife don't even know this. <laughs> hey, hun. <laughs> but I'm driving down the road, and it is so bad, and I am so miserable with life that I'm looking for a bridge piling that doesn't have a guardrail on it. So if I slam into that, it'll look like an accident. My family will be okay, but my troubles will be over. That thought has gone through my brain. You think, you're our pastor. You're messed up. I was messed up. Well, I still am. Not as bad as I was. But I wanted to share that would let you know I've been at a very low point myself. I'm not just talking just for the sake of talking. I understand depression now in a whole new way. People aren't wanting depression. Depression uh, uh, takes over. And it can be uncontrollable. I understand that. I, it can be an evil thing. It can be a chemistry thing. Uh, it can, depression can do a lot of things to you. It puts a lot of people in the grave. It puts a lot of people in hospitals. Depression is a very real thing. God changed my outlook on depression. You say, Brother Kenny, this is not a very exciting message. I'm going to try to make it one for you. I really am going to try. But I want you to look at some things. Are you, you say, well, I'm not depressed. Well, this is a list that I didn't make up. Some other people made up. Uh, signs of depression, a continual feeling of sadness. You just feel sad. A state of constant hopelessness. Continual worry or anxiety. An attitude of nothing feels good or worth feeling good about. Anybody ever been there? A state of no one cares or understands. Sleeplessness. Fatigue. Irritable. And the list goes on and on. Those are just probably the highlights of things that people have recognized that are parts of depression. And I know it's very real. I mean, there, there's a lot of the, the drug industry is selling a lot of medication. When we went through all this and I, I, I dealt with depression and, 
and things. I found out there's a lot of people on depression medicine. And a lot of people are hurting. I want to encourage today is what I want to do. A lot of people think, oh, i got to take my depression medicine, or I'm in depression. And, and they're told by pastors, and they're told by Christians, if you were where you're supposed to be, God, would, you wouldn't be depressed. Well, what does that do for you? What does that do for you? That makes you feel even worse. That may put you down even further. That's what Satan wants to do. See, I, I believe depression is a tool of Satan. He, to bring you down, and he'll use church people to bring you even further down. To, so to speak, spit on you, kick you while you're down. I want to encourage you today, you don't have to do that. You're not alone in this fight, in this struggle. There are people who pray for you that are encouraged, uh, want to encourage you. Uh, we feel guilty and, and all the rest about our depression and it can be made worse. Uh, but the truth is, do you know that God, some of God's greatest leaders went through depression? You know that? You know throughout the Bible, some of the great men of God went through periods of depression? Now, why would I tell you that? Because I want you to know you're not alone. If you're suffering from depression, you say, well, Brother Kenny, I'm not suffering from depression. I don't have a problem with it. Well, good for you. There may be somebody you know that is, that you can help. That's what this is about. If you're not in depression, great, but take notes so you can help. Because I promise you, if you walk out those doors and want to talk to anybody for any amount of time, You'll find somebody that's in depression or taking medication for it. I've been blown away at the people that have come forward and said, yeah, I take this medicine. Yeah, I have to take this. A lot of times it's chemical. Sometimes it's brought on by ourselves. Well, so what causes this? First of all, let me go and give you the list of the people who suffer from depression in Scripture. Can you think of them? How about Numbers chapter 11? It would be Moses. Did you know Moses suffered from depression? Numbers chapter 11, verses 11 through 15, Moses was so depressed he asked God to kill him. Sounds pretty depressed to me, doesn't it? Moses suffered. How about Jonah? Jonah chapter 4, verse 3, he asked God pretty much the same thing. Just kill me. Let me die. I don't want it this way anymore. It's out of my control. It, it's not what I wanted. It's not turning out how I wanted it to. Just kill me, Lord. Come on in. That's Mr. Wind, y'all. Just kill me and let me die. So Jonah, the great prophet, the one who, who brought great revival to the city of Nineveh, he went and preached and the whole city turned to the Lord and was saved. He should have been on cloud nine, but his response was, kill me. I'd rather die. Quiet. You're not alone. How about Elijah? Everybody know Elijah? The big prophet? Did great and mighty things, just great miracles for the Lord? He sat under a juniper tree and wished to die. That's 1 Kings 19.4. We read the scripture here where Paul talked about he even despaired of life. Difficult times. 
difficult times come. If you live long enough, you're going to have a difficult time. Am I, I'm not, I know I'm not very old, and I'm a young whippersnapper to most of you, or to a lot of you. But am I right? If you're going to live long enough, you're going to find, you're going to find it a difficult time. You're going to find a struggle. What do you do? How about John the Baptist? This is the first child in the womb to recognize Jesus Christ, the Messiah. What a great ministry he had baptizing people. He baptized the Son of God for Pete's sake. But he got low in a dungeon and sent messengers said, Art thou he, or should I look for another? Doubted that Jesus was the Messiah. What depression, what low he came to in that point of doubt and wonder if this was even God's son that he had been preaching about. How can this be? It can be because Satan is powerful. Depression is powerful, people. If you've never been through it, just listen. I know. It's tough. It can make you think crazy things. Things that you wish you never had. What about David? Anybody thought about David? King David. A guy, a man after God's own heart, I believe, suffered from bouts of depression. His son, Solomon, I believe he was suffering from bouts of He had everything. He had riches and homes, and I, mean, I know why he was depressed. He had over a thousand wives, or no, a thousand concubines. I mean, well, holy mackerel, that'd depress anybody, wouldn't it? I can't keep up with one. But Solomon went, but let's look back at David, man. I want to focus, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 42. We're just going to sort of dissect Psalm 42 for just a minute here. And I want to show you what depression that David, King David, went through. First of all, he, he was spiritually dry. Spiritually dry. You ever been to the place in your life where you just wanted God to say something? God, show me something. And, and I remember when I was going through mine, I would just look through my Bible and say, God, I just want to hear from you. I went and talked to a counselor one time, and they said, what's the hardest thing? What, tell me what sticks out in your mind the most. What hurts the most? She's trying to figure out what's going on in my life. I said, you know what hurts the most is the loneliness that I read God's word, and I hear nothing. I hear nothing. That is the most sadness to me, to read God's word, and it's just words I don't ever want to be in that place again David said my heart panted after the water brook so panteth my soul after thee O God he longed for God to just speak to him I'm talking to you from my heart this morning it hurts a little bit but I gotta share this with you because I, want, I really want to encourage you I really want to let you know if you're going through this, you know, don't tell them they're all alone. Don't tell them they're some freak. Don't tell them that they're not where they should be. 
My soul, he says in verse 2 of Psalm 42, my soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? He just wanted to be in the presence of a holy God. That's all he was wanting. Spiritually thirsty. It says, David, in, in uh, verse 3, my tears have been meat day and night. In other words, he's crying. And David had a lot of things to be sad for. Absalom, his son, had died. His daughter had been raped. His, his wife had been abused. Uh, all these different things that had come, past, come to pass in life had a very difficult time. And he said, my tears are meat day and night. Uh, they continue and it, they continually say unto me, where is thy God? I remember thinking much the same thing. God, where are you? See, Satan, if he knows he can get in your mind and make you think, oh, you're terrible. You're awful. How could you even think some of the thoughts you thought in your depression? How could you be in this position if you were such a spiritual man of God that you're supposed to be? If you're a man after God's own heart, why are you feeling the way you're feeling? Where is your God? That's what Satan wants to tell you, to bring you even lower. And if he doesn't do it by just whispering in your ear, he'll use a church member to do it. Some of my biggest hurts during my depression times were from church people. That's sad, isn't it? People, depression is real. If you run across somebody like, don't throw them the law. Throw them God's grace and God's love. Encourage them. Because depression is very real to them, whether you understand it or not. All right. Let's keep looking at David's problem. He had a chapter, or verse 4. He talks memories of, of the good days are behind him. They've passed. He said, I remember these things. I, poured out, I pour out my soul in me, for I have gone with the multitude and went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise. In other words, I remember praising God. I remember the joy. And those days are gone. All I have now is sadness. I don't hear from the Lord. I cry day and night. He remembered the good old days and felt like they were gone forever. He had overwhelming circumstances. He says in verse 7, Deep calleth into deep, and the noise of the water spouts. All thy waves and thy bellows are gone over me. Uh, somebody posted a picture yesterday of, uh, I think it was some meal somewhere. And man, is the water, you know, we've had, we've had a little bit of rain lately. So the water is just rolling over the dam and just out of control. That's what I see right here with David. I believe he's talking about a river that he's seen or been close to, and he's talking about it's just pouring over me out of control, and I can't do anything about it. Like water, a flooding water over a dam. This is where David, he feels God has forgotten him. He said, I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? 
Where is thy God in verse 10? That's a tough time. That's a tough place to be. I mean, you, you feel like friends are gone. Church is gone. And now God is, seems like he's so far away. That can bring you, to, and that's worse exactly where Satan wants you. Now, we all know it's a lie. We always not know it's not true. Uh, I'll tell you this is something that I learned, I think, in, in my difficult time that I was going through. I didn't hear from anybody at church. Didn't hear from anybody at all. And I remember thinking during that time, they don't care. They don't really care. They did, they'd call. They did. Now, I was very busy in church. I was a want leader and, you know, youth pastor and all this going on in my life. Very busy in church. And then all of a sudden, I just sort of fell out. I just wanted to sit on a pew and be left alone. Why didn't anybody call me? Nobody ever asked. And at the time, I was saying, they're so terrible. The church people aren't real, are they? You know what I learned from that, though? God didn't want them to call me. He didn't want me to look to church people. He wanted me to look to him. When there's no one around, look to the Savior. That's the only one that's going to bring you comfort. That was a very hard lesson for me, and where I wanted to lash out at the church and be mad at the church. God's saying, look at me, Kenny. Kenny, look right here. I've got the answer. I've got your hope. I've got your comfort. Look to me. That's what he was trying to tell me. But I was too busy focusing on me and what I felt others were doing against me. These were tough lessons for me. Tough lessons for me. Y'all probably going to have to look for a new pastor next week, right? Tough. I want, the only reason I'm telling you, I want you to know if you're there, I know how you feel. I know the struggle. God brought me through this for a purpose, for a reason. He gave me these feelings and these thoughts for a reason. But he brought me through it. All right. So how do I get out of this depression? First, we've got to look at ourselves. David in, in uh, 42, verses 5 and 6, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Look in yourself. Okay, why am I depressed? Examine yourself, the, Paul says. Examine yourself. Look in the inside. What is wrong with what's going on? Where are you at? First of all, have you accepted Jesus as your personal Savior? If you had, don't have that hope within you, I understand your depression. If you think this is all there is to life, without Christ, there is no hope. I don't know, I don't understand, I can't fathom that, that when I went through what I went through, uh, even though I felt God was so far away, he was still my rock, he's still my hope, he was still what I was looking to, even though I felt like it was so far away, I couldn't imagine not even having that. I couldn't imagine it. 
But I had to look within myself, why am I depressed? Why am I feeling it? Why am I having these thoughts? Why am I saying, this is what David said, my soul, why are you depressed within me? Hope thou in God. He's telling him, so you need your hope is in the Lord, right? He's arguing with himself. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Look what he does after he looks within himself. He looks up. He says, God, my soul needs help. And you're the only one that can help me out of this. It's not church. It's not the preacher. It's not some favorite preacher on TV. It's not a shooting star in the sky. God, you're my only hope. You're my only strength. And I need you right now. So he looks upward. Verse 8, he says, Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in daytime, and in the nighttime his song shall be with me, and my prayer is unto God of my life. I will say unto God my rock. So you go through a depressing time, and you have these feelings much like David. First thing I would ask you to do is just look at within you. Why are you here? Why are you having it? There's a multitude of reasons. Like I said, number one, salvation. Number two, I believe sin can bring you to prayer. You're, you're far from God because of sin, unconfessed sin. But it's not always that. It's not always those things. Looking back at our text, go back to, to 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 1. What does he say in the very first verse? Paul's talking about he, he is depressed even of life, uh, the, the pressed down and insomuch we despaired even of life and, 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 and all the rest. Why is he there? Another reason is I believe God puts you there. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. Sometimes God puts you in trials and tribulations for a purpose. May not be sin. You may be saved. You may have not done anything at all wrong. Paul hadn't done anything wrong here. He was preaching the gospel the best he knew how. He was starting churches all over Asia, doing wonderful work for the Lord, but he was pressed down beyond measure, even despair of life. And he says in verse 1, by the will of God. Whew. How could a loving God do this to Paul? How could he do that kind of thing? And that's one of the number one questions people want to ask when they go through a difficult time is how does God do this to me and shake their fist at him? God spared not his own son. What makes you any better than his son? But look what he brought through the world through the, his sacrifice of his son on the cross. Look what joy he brought to the world. Look what hope he brought through the world because his son died on the cross for me and you. Where is his son now? See, this is just temporary stuff here. But for eternity, he'll be at the right hand of the Father 
For eternity he will be worshipped. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. It was just a short time. It was just a difficult thing. It wasn't permanent. They say the people in depression don't make a permanent decision about a temporary situation. Don't make a permanent decision out of a temporary situation. This life is temporary. Eternity is forever. Don't do it. Don't do it. So Paul was saying, by the will of God, I'm here. By the will of God, this is such a heavy burden on me. But why? The same God that put them there, he said it comforted him for a purpose. Look at verse 3. Blessed be the God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies and the God of comfort, who comforted us in our tribulation. Paul said, yeah, it was tough. And we even despaired of life. But God comforted me. When I was going through my difficult time, yeah, he may have seemed far away, but it was a still comfort to me that I knew he was in control of all things. He was bringing me through this as much as I didn't like it and I didn't want to go through it. I knew God was in control and he is the only one that could bring me out of it. He was my rock. Not the church, not the preacher, not the Sunday school teacher or the deacon. God became my rock that brought me through that difficult time. He says, Who, uh, whom comforted us in all virtue, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted. We suffer so we can help those who are suffering is what that verse is saying. You ever thought about that? We are comforted so we can comfort. We are blessed so we can be a blessing. Do you think you receive anything from God just because you're a great person? Just because you've, you've got a few stars on the wall? No, God is giving you this comfort. He's giving you this peace. He's giving you these blessings so you can give peace, so you can give a blessing, so you can give comfort. Now, I was told when I was going through this, I had a friend of mine that, that sort of helped me and talked to me on occasions, and he said, Kenny, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what you're going through, but God must have something big for you. I, you know, I don't mean to be big-headed about it. But what he was saying is God is bringing you through this so you can help somebody else. So you can be an encouragement to others. So you can help others. That's what Paul is saying. That's why we go through this. If you're in a difficult time, know that Jesus, that God, your rock, is going to bring you through it for his purpose, his plan. And guess what? You'll know better how to help someone else with it. Many of you have gone through things that I couldn't imagine going through. You could be a much better help than I would ever dream of being help with the things that you've gone through. You go through these difficulties so you know how to help others. 
I believe that's what God, many times we want to just ask, so when we get in our buzz, how could God do this for me? As I said before, he spared not his own son. See, we suffer so we can better minister. He says this over and over in verse 6. He says, uh, whether we be afflicted is for your consultation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same suffering, which also suffer. Or whether we comfort, it is for your consultation. Whether we suffer or whether we're comforted, it is for you, Paul says. It is for the testimony. Now, I want to ask you, Christian, and I failed miserably, by the way. I'll raise my hand when I went through mine. I tried not to. And some of the things that just kept hitting on me, if I'm a Christian, I don't think I should be going around just down in the dumps all the time. I don't think I ought to be. And, and I'd, my, I'd talk to my sister, and she would try to encourage me. And I said, I know, I know, I know, I know. But, but I want to encourage people. I don't want to be encouraged. I want to be the encourager. I hated that part of it, that I felt like somebody had to help me. I don't want help. <laughs> but God put me in a place where I had to have help. I had to have encouragement. So I'd know better how to encourage. Before it was just talk. I hope you're seeing from this morning is from the heart. I know how it is. I know the hurt. I know the pain. It helps for people just to pray. In verse 11. See, if you look at this down in verse 12, he says, For our rejoicing is this. The testimony of our conscience. Wow. Christian, you're going through depression and, and a difficult time? Hey, I got it. Ask for prayer. Ask, ask God to help you. But whatever you do, don't just go around saying, God hates me. God don't like me no more. What kind of testimony is that? There are unsaved people out there that says, why do I want what you want when you're not even sure if God loves you? You see what I'm saying? You see what the damage you can do? Understand that God is your rock. The church, the preacher may not be worth the flint, but God's your rock. And he'll bring you through it. How you go through this difficulty is a testimony to the rest of the world. Do you believe that he's your rock? Do you believe he's going to bring it? If you do, then just get up every morning, do the best you can, put on your best coat and tie with a smile, and do the best you can knowing God's going to bring you through the day. That's what I ended up doing. You know how I got out of it? A day at a time. Just one day at a time. And in time, God turned things around. In time, God showed me some things that I didn't understand even while I was going through it. I didn't understand why I was going through it, but later I did. I'm not sure I understand it all yet, but he's showing me some things. That this is why I did this, Kenny. This is why I showed this to you. And look where I am now. The greatest joy of my life, he's let me be a pastor of a church. Me and Clint have talked. 
when I was going through it. And just about a year before Brother Nelson called me, we'd sit on my front porch, and I'd just, I don't know, Clint. I think I'm done. I don't think I can do this. About a year after I was here, he said, you remember that out on the front porch? Who would have thought it? I'm smiling. I'm happy. The Lord is blessing me. And I just praise him for it. My rock brought me up out of a horrible pit. Out of the miry clay. And he set me a feet on the rock this day. That's what God will do. But sometimes he has to bring you through the dungeon. Sometimes he has to bring you through the pit. To show you things you don't even understand. But it's his glory. And the benefit of his people. To edify. Remember we talked about last week. last few, To edify. To encourage one another. That's why he brings you through those terrible times. So you can be an encouragement to other people. To know how to love with a greater love. To know how to forgive with a greater forgiveness. To understand the difficulties. What an awesome God we serve. When somebody asks you, you're going through your difficult time, how can you be so happy? First Peter 3.15 says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. You're going through your time, you know that it can be a testimony, and maybe it's a difficult time, you've lost your job, you've lost a loved one, you, you've done all this stuff, it's temporary, people. But if you can be a witness for somebody else and they look at you and they know you're a Christian, wow, they're strong. What makes you so strong, Matt? My rock, my Lord and Savior. I want what you got, Matt. So for eternity, you have been a witness to that person. That's what, be ready always to give it a reason of the joy or the hope that was in you. See, we say we trust the Lord. But it's hard to trust when we don't understand why, right? If we know why, then we have no problem trusting him. It's not frustrating if I know why, but you know a lot of times God don't want to tell you why until you get through it. He just wants you to go through it and trust him. If you're, under, if you're understanding, you're not really trusting the way I see it. When, all, when you don't understand, you can't see the light of day, or you do see the light in the end of the tunnel and it becomes a train. Been there, done that. Just trust him anyway. Just trust him. I would say to you, if you're looking for someone to, now I, I stole this from Robbie Zacharias. Somebody told him this. I, I love that man. He says, when you're looking to be mentored, look to someone who has suffered much and whose faith in God has remained unshaken. You want somebody to mentor you? You want somebody to look up to? 
Don't look up to the big prominent guy that's got all the money and, and made a big business for himself under, and made a lot of money. Look at the guy that went through the hard times and said, God is my rock. He's my salvation. In him do I trust. He's the one that will help you through the difficulties of, of life. And I'm going to close with this, and you know this. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. In the presence of God. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the overwhelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then all my hope and stay. When he shall come, trumpet sound. Oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness, alone, flawless to stand before his throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock. Did y'all know it was that song when I was reading it to you? What a great song. We sing it all the time. And we just sing it. I hope the next time you sing it, it just brings joy to your heart. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking. There is no greater hope than in him. You're going through a difficult time, he's got a plan. You're going through sufferings and tribulations, he's got a plan. He's got a purpose. If you'll trust him, he'll bring you out the other side and what blessings there will be if you just put your trust in him. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your goodness to us. Father, we thank you that you're our rock. We thank you. I thank you today, Lord, that you have brought me out of a horrible place, out of the pit of loneliness and depression, and you have set my feet on a rock. Lord, I know there may be other times, but I just praise you for the mountaintops now I praise you for the valleys that you brought me through to teach me to draw closer to me to know that you'll never leave me nor forsake me I pray for each and every one here today that they would have the assurance first of all of their salvation and Lord that they'd have the assurance that you'll never leave them nor forsake them, that they look to you and trust in you with all that they have. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.